Like many of you, I grew up in the church, and as the years have gone by, my love and appreciation for the church has only grown. The fact that churches differ in personality I see as a strength, not as a weakness. The church I pastored before coming here was a young church. In fact, I was the second pastor of that church. This church, on the other hand, was established in 1809, almost 200 years old. It's had multiple pastors, and so the two churches are different. Churches vary in styles. I suppose that's one of the reasons I am glad to be a Southern Baptist, because you can find almost anything you're looking for in some Southern Baptist church. If you want to go to a liturgical church, we have Southern Baptist churches that are liturgical. And then we have others probably who have uh, snakes hidden in the back room, but we have all kinds of churches. Though our backgrounds and history vary, we all share the same purpose. Jesus gave us our purpose when he said that we are to take the gospel into all the world, preach the word. He said that we are to make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So Jesus said to the church, now this is your assignment, this is your responsibility. He said, you are to take the gospel into the world. We are to evangelize, we are to share the good news. And then we are to disciple those who come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so today, I want to speak to you on the subject of reaching our world with the gospel of Christ. And as you have already heard, this is the time when we emphasize the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which is the way we support missions around the world. Now, the Southern Baptist Convention's goal for this offering is $165 million, all of that going to missions around the world. Our goal here at First Baptist Church, above our normal tithes and offerings, our goal for that one offering is $60,000, and I believe that we'll give over $100,000 to that. So, having said that, take your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, beginning in verse number 30. And the apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. And they went away in the boat to a lonely place by themselves. And the people saw them going, and many recognized them. And they ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of him. And when he went ashore, he saw a great multitude, and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. First of all, ministry precedes missions. Folks, the fact is, people are not interested in what we say until they see what we believe. They are really not interested in what we say we believe unless they see in us that we truly care for them. In other words, if our message is going to be heard, it is heard as a result of our ministry. Now, Jesus was always involved in ministry. He was rather holistic in his approach. For instance, he ministered to the mind of man. You'll notice there in verse number 34b, he began to teach them many things. 
That's exactly what the Great Commission said, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So the Bible says then that we are to teach people. Now, how do we best teach? Well, by teaching people the Word of God. I have said to people before, my desire when I preach on Sunday mornings, a brief time, my desire is that you might understand the Word of God has something to say to you and to your life. But if the only teaching you get is what you get here, you're not going to get much. So my desire is that you go home and get into the Word of God. Now, do you know why that's important? Well, the psalmist knew why it was important. In fact, the psalmist said in Psalm 119.11, Thy word I have treasured in my heart. Why? That I may not sin against thee. The psalmist said the reason it is so important that you saturate, saturate your life with the word of God is to keep you from sin. And ladies and gentlemen, that is one of the reasons we have such problem with sin in our life. Because we put other things in our mind rather than the Word of God. So we teach the Word of God, but we must also teach in deed. Because unless our words are accompanied by deeds, then people don't listen to them. And so the Bible says, Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word. So in our teaching... Yes, it is teaching in word, but it must be accompanied by deed. You've heard preachers and others say, you know, I'm saved, but I'm not mad about it. Well, what they mean is there are some people who are saved, but they're just always mean-spirited. They're just mad about it. No, they have to go together. We teach the Word of God, but we also live the Word of God. It is teaching in word and deed. Someone said, what you do speaks so loudly I can't hear what you say. So Jesus ministered to the mind, teaching them. He ministered to their spiritual needs, witnessing to them. The Bible says in Matthew 9:35, And Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming or preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So he shared according to their spiritual needs. The apostle Paul was a witness. The scripture says in Romans 1, 15 and 16, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So, ladies and gentlemen, you and I minister to people by teaching the mind, but also by preaching or witnessing, sharing Jesus. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So what is the good news we are supposed to share? God loves you. Did you know that God loves you? That's absolutely overwhelming to me. That God loves me? How does He even know that I exist? much less love me, and yet that's what the Bible says, that God loves me. God, we need to tell people that God loves you, and He loves you so much that He sent Jesus to die for you. Jesus rose from the grave, and He is coming again. That is the good news that we proclaim. So Jesus ministered then to the mind of man. He ministered to the spirit of man, and then He ministered to man's physical needs as well, His body. Jesus healed. The Bible says, 
uh, when, when John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus, asking the question, Jesus, are you the one we have been anticipating, or should we look for someone else? Jesus responded in Luke 7, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. Well, what did they see and hear? The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. One day Jesus was going outside the city of Bartimaeus, outside the city of Jericho, and he heard a man cry out, a, a blind beggar, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped, the Bible says, and called him. His name was Bartimaeus. He was blind. And Jesus said, uh, what do you want me to do for you? Which has always been an amusing question to me. I mean, here's a blind man, and Jesus said, no, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus gave him his sight. He healed the blind. He healed the lame. In John chapter 5, the story is told about a man who was at the pool of Bethesda. He was a, a lame man. And Jesus came to him, asked a similar question. He said, what do you want me to do for you? He said, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? He said, yes, Lord, but, you know, when I'm getting into the pool, someone gets in before me, and so Jesus healed him. Jesus healed the lepers, the ten lepers who came to Jesus, and they cried out saying, Jesus, you can heal me if you will. And the Bible says that Jesus healed all of them. The thing that I'm saying is that Jesus ministered to the needs of man. And you and I are to minister to the physical needs of man. I, I, I've changed a little bit in my theology as time goes by. And one of, the, one of the ways that I've changed a little bit is that I really believe, not to the excesses you see on television, but I really believe that there would be more people healed in the church of their physical maladies if we asked the Lord and if we believed that He'd do it. That's the reason that we established the deacon prayer ministry, because if you really have some needs that you need prayed about, we really believe that the Lord would do some miraculous things if we ask Him to. But as I look at this, I see that ministry precedes missions. We have to minister, first of all, for people to listen to our message. And then vision prompts missions. In verse number 34, when he went ashore, he saw a great multitude. You know, the interesting thing to me is that when we see the need and then we act on the need, we are able to see the need. Is that true with you? When I see that there is a need and then I act to meet that need, then I begin to see that there are needs all around me. That is true concerning physical needs. When we see people who have physical needs and then we act to meet those needs, we become aware that there are people around us who have physical needs. We see that our families are the foundation on which this nation has been built, largely. And our families are in trouble today if we see that we begin to minister that we strengthen those families. We need to see that there are spiritual needs within our nation today. I know that you are as concerned as I about our country. Our country unquestionably was built on a spiritual foundation, a Christian foundation. And yet today we, we have turned away from that. And it seems to me that that intensifies. In fact, I, uh, Linda drugged me out shopping with her the other day. I don't really like to go shopping. I don't like to get out there. But, but I went with her. And uh, so I'm out, and I began to notice. I began to notice the number of stores that you go into that have all of these sales, but they don't mention Christmas. Have you noticed that? I mean, they got holiday sales, and they got all these kinds of sales, and, and they got uh, 
they play all of these gymnastics about the trees that they have. You know, they don't call them Christmas trees and so forth. You know what I decided? I decided that we, we ain't going to buy nothing if they don't advertise Christmas. I mean, I'm not looking for a holiday gift. I was looking for a Christmas gift. We, and, I, and they have a right to, to, they have a right in the stores to do the way they do. And I'm not saying that they have that right, but I also have a right, and it is Christmas. It's, it's, see, we, we, we see the needs. And, and before I came to this church, there were people in this church who saw that there were some needs for people who have special needs. And so the special education ministry was begun here. Now then, there are some people who say that, well, that needs to be expanded, and they are working to expand that. Before I came to this church, there were people who saw the need of internationals, those who have come to this country from other countries, and they said, we need to minister to them. And so they began that ministry. We reach out to those who have needs. We see the need But when we see the need, we also see the potential. Now look at verse number 37. He answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. Jesus said to the disciples, you see these people who are hungry? Well, you have the potential to meet that need. You give them something to eat. Did you know that you have the potential to minister? You have the potential to minister. And sometimes ministry is nothing more than a kind word. That person seated next to you might be going through a really tough time. And perhaps the best ministry you could give to them is just smile at them or hug them or kind word. You have the potential to witness. You have the potential to tell people about Jesus. Let me tell you, when God really began to get hold of my heart, I had not been to any classes on witnessing. All I knew is that I loved Jesus and wanted to, He meant so much to me that I wanted to tell other people about Jesus. Now, I didn't know the two EE questions. I didn't know anything about faith. I didn't know anything about any of that. I just knew that I, I loved Jesus and I wanted to tell people about Jesus. Now, I started out down on the Skid Row in Oklahoma City. Now, I wasn't a preacher at this time, and so I went down there with a friend of mine, and we just went down there to to, to tell him about Jesus. I'll never forget. I think it was my first time there. There was a man coming up, and he was somewhat inebriated. So I know he wasn't a Baptist, but he was somewhat inebriated. And I just began talking to him about Jesus, telling him what Jesus meant to me. And he listened to there, you know, sort of staggering around a little bit. Well, his friend came up while we were talking. And his friend is swearing. And, and this guy said, don't you talk that way around these men. He said, they are preachers. Well, we weren't preachers. We were just witnessing. And he said, I don't give a blankety-blank what they are. And so he doubled up his fist and just knocked him. He said, I told you not to talk that way. Well, I'm not saying your experience will be like that. But that's how I started. Linda was out at the mall recently, and she told me about seeing one of the Hayden boys. I don't know which one it was, but one of the Hayden boys who was out there, had his Bible. She said, what are you doing out here? He said, I just come out here sometimes and talk to people about the Lord. I thought, what a neat thing. Just come out there and talk to people about the Lord. 
Recently, we went to Sunday Night Alive at the university and, and saw so many of our... By the way, I looked at this morning. I'm so proud of you. This, this area is just filling up with college students. I'm so proud of you all. I mean, we, that's just marvelous to see. But to be there at Sunday Night Alive and, and see these college students, and they are in, in their way, they're sharing about Jesus. They're sharing their faith and how thrilled I was by that. But see, here's the thing is that you have the potential to share Jesus. You have the potential to witness. And those to whom we minister have potential as well. For instance, when Peter was called by Jesus, rock, it he wasn't that stable at the time, but Jesus saw the potential. When Paul was on the road to Damascus, it was to persecute the church, the Christians there. But Jesus saw the potential to be a preacher of the gospel. Timothy was timid. He was shy. But Paul saw in him the potential to be a leader of the church. Vision prompts missions. Folks, whenever you begin to see beyond the need, you see the potential. You can meet those needs. You can make a difference. You can matter. Compassion persuades action in verse number 34. And when he went ashore, he saw a great multitude and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus always had compassion. His heart was always beating for people. He felt for those who were sick. The Bible says in Matthew 14, 14, he saw a great multitude and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. He felt for those people who were sick. He felt compassion for those who were blind in Matthew 20, verse 34, and moved with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight. He had compassion for those who were bereaved. One day Jesus was going along, and there was a funeral procession. The widow of Nain's son had died. And Jesus stopped the procession, and, and the Bible says, And when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her, and he raised her son from the dead. When Lazarus died, the sisters were brokenhearted. The friends were brokenhearted. And Jesus had compassion on them. And the Bible says when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. He had compassion for people. When my dad died, he died as a young man. When he died, I do not remember one song that was sung. I do not remember the message that was preached. But to this day, I remember those people who were there because they cared. Jesus always had compassion. He had compassion for those who were hurting. He had compassion for those who were hungry. In verse 37, he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. Now, it was Jesus' compassion, not the disciples' compassion. One of the things that blesses me about you is that you are a people who have compassion and you have compassion for those who are less fortunate and have needs. Trying to minister to people in the name of Jesus. Jesus had compassion for those who were confused in verse number 34. And when he went ashore, he saw a great multitude and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, you know that a, a sheep is probably the only animal that cannot exist without a shepherd, someone to take care of it. And Jesus saw the people and he said they looked like sheep without a shepherd. They were confused. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what they were doing. They were confused. Folks, you and I live in a very, very confused society. 
very confused society. We emphasize education, but we are very confused about things that really matter. It's confusion today about God. Who is God? Is there a God? Does He exist? Does He not exist? And uh, you, you know the uh, what's the movie that's coming out? The Golden Compass. And you know the person who wrote that, or I hope you know the person who wrote that, uh, is a person who is very hostile to Christianity, very anti-God. And in his books, the concern is is that kids are attracted to that movie. They go to the movie, then they buy the books. The movie, as I understand, is somewhat lukewarm in the message. But if you're attracted to the books, he is very hostile to Christianity. And there is a move within our society today that there is no God. Atheism is on the rise once again in our country. And so there's confusion about God. There's confusion about creation. Did God create this world or or is it the result of a cosmic accident? Did we just happen to be here? Or is there a God who made this? We're confused about life. For, For most of our history, we have protected life because we believed it to be sacred. Years ago, that began to change. And now we protect life if we consider it to have quality or if someone desires that life. Otherwise, then it's expendable. So we're confused about life. We're confused about eternity. Is this all there is? Or is there more? Is there something beyond this life? And, and so we're confused. We're like those people today, sheep without a shepherd. That's the reason that divine passion is so important. And if we have divine passion, then we can be victorious in this world. Now, it's difficult. It's difficult for us to make a difference because we're understaffed. We don't have enough people to make a difference. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Have you noticed we always have an excuse as to why we can't do something that we can't be used of God? Jeremiah did when the Lord said, Jeremiah, I want you to be a prophet. He said, Lord, I'm too inexperienced. I'm too young to do that. When the Lord said to Moses, Moses, I want you to deliver my people, Moses said, why should Pharaoh listen to me? I don't have any influence with Pharaoh. Why should anyone pay any attention to me? And maybe that's the thing with you. Perhaps the Lord is speaking to your heart about being a missionary. Maybe long-term, maybe career, maybe a short-term missionary. But God is speaking to your heart about that. And you say, well, you know, I'm not sure that I can do that. And that's always been the problem. We can't do what God's called us to do because we're underfunded. Verse number 38. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said five and and two fish. Lord, I'm supposed to feed this multitude of people, thousands of people. All All we have among us all. Five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. That's all we have. You know and I know that when we... Take what we have and give it to God. It's always enough. Folks, let me tell you something, and I say this from the depths of my heart. We better find the funds. We better find the funds to send missionaries around the world. I can tell you for sure the Muslims are finding the funds. And Saudi Arabia is building mosques all over the world and in the United States. We better find the funds. Because the world desperately needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And we are not going to win the situation that is before us with the military. We are not going to win it with education. We're not going to win it with any of those things. It can only be won through Jesus Christ. 
Only He can make that difference. So there are three principles in our commitment. Comprehension, we need to comprehend that people without Jesus are lost. We need to have compassion. And then there needs to be concentration, people of a one-track mind. Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'd say to, because I've already referenced you this morning, but college students, if you became a group of people of a one-track mind, you could lead your campus to faith in Jesus. I mean, that's how much potential sitting out there. That's the kind of potential that you have. People of a one-track mind trusting in the Lord. Pray, intensify our prayers. Jonathan Edwards prayed three days and three nights. God, give me New England. God, give me New England. God, give me New England. And the Great Awakening came as God answered that prayer. And then there is joy. When we share the good news of Jesus and people are saved, there is joy. Heaven rejoices. The Bible says there is, there is, there is joy in the presence of the angels when one person comes to know Jesus. And then there's joy in your heart. Folks, you'll never do anything that will mean more to you than sharing Jesus with another person. I'll never forget. It happened years ago, but I'll never forget. A woman who came to me and expressed appreciation because the Lord had used me to lead her entire family to Christ. And she came to me and she said, I will forever be grateful that you shared Jesus with us. You want to have joy in your heart? Then give yourself away to reaching people for Christ. Let me conclude. Do you see the need? There's needs around us. There's a need around this world. There's a need around the world. Do you hear the call? Is God speaking to you? What's He telling you? Will you meet the need? Be like Isaiah. God said to Isaiah, who will go for me? And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. Folks, some of you can go. All of us must give. All of us must do our part. I encourage you today that you just sell out to Jesus, love Him with all of your heart, and be faithful in your commitment to Him. Gracious Father, we come to a time of invitation. And pray, Lord, especially for those who have never come to know Jesus as Savior, that today they might. Lord, bless them. I pray, Father, that you would reach down in our congregation. And you would call out men and women who would dedicate their lives to serving you. Lord, that they might go around the world or next door to tell someone about Jesus, in whose name I pray. Amen. Well, in just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir is going to sing. This is an invitation. If you're here without Christ, to come and trust Christ. And we'll have the staff here to receive you. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open. We'd love to have you as a part of First Baptist Church. What's God speaking to you about? Stand with me, please, as we stand together and they sing, You Come, I'll greet you as you do.